Welcome to Life Changes You. I'm Daniel and welcome back. We've had lots of people on recently in the last few months and one of my favourites has been Patrick Hill from Patrick Hill Coaching and his website is Thinking Beyond Now. Patrick, hello. Hello, Daniel. I don't do repeats. You don't do, (laughs) no, you're not repeating, You're, you're reinventing. Well, the thing is, I just like you so much. And the conversation that we had was just fun. I mean, I know the content of it was a bit heavy. and Oh, deep, yeah. But- and I, I should actually just say to you, maybe not so many words of ill repute today. Oh, yeah. About that. <laughs> not, not, not that anyone worried, except my mum when she heard it. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, mum. Mum, I'm not going to swear today. I will work really, really hard not to swear. Right. Go on in. Tell me a bit about yourself. What have you been up to? Right, so what have I been up to? So, well, it's summer here in London. I know. Summer has arrived beautiful. finally. I know. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful day today. Um, since I saw you last, lots has been happening. My coaching business is super busy, which I love because obviously, you know, helping people is is what I'm here for. Um, and I think one of the things which kind of ties into, you know, us talking today really is the really exciting work that um, has kind of, I found myself doing with regard to mental health, particularly with men. Yep. Um, Because we know from, we know from the research and I'm I'm pretty sure I would have said this in the first podcast that 75% of all suicides are male, 25% uh, female. So there's that ratio of three male suicides to one female. So I kind of say to people, I therefore think that men are three times as bad at processing painful feelings. Yeah. Because we know that the typical man doesn't talk. Yep. We know that the typical man doesn't process painful emotions. Men typically are very much about jumping to the resolution, fixing it, the solution. Um, and a lot of life uh, is just not like that. <laughs> there's, a, there's the yep. messy bit in the middle that has to be dealt with. Yeah, and which is another reason why I really like you and what you're doing because you're you're a male, you're an Aussie bloke, and two men sitting face to face talking is a very rare thing. Men typically spend a lot of time side by side doing stuff. Yep, but very rarely face to face talking about high quality, meaningful things beyond sport or whatever the topic. To be is. honest, I couldn't actually see you and me on the back of a you shooting a few ruse. No, I don't think shooting kangaroos will be something that we'll do together, but I think we can shoot the wind. I was going to say shoot that, but I, shoot well, I breeze. not swear. Shoot the breeze, yeah, because I, I don't want to upset mum. Yeah. Can I just say as well, uh, I was talking to someone probably <clears throat> just over a month ago and uh, it was before I was going to do a podcast with them and I was saying, you know, we were talking about men's mental health, mental health mm. in England, Um and I said, oh, you know, it's, uh, you know, mental health stats for suicide in males and that all across the world is not good. And he said to me, do you know what? I don't know if you've spoken to him, but the best guy to speak to is Patrick Hill. And I went, yeah, I've spoken to him before. He said, he's the one that knows all those stats. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay, cool. The thing is with me, I'm a bit obsessed by numbers because I really like research. I really like the solid facts. The other thing that I learned only recently, and I'm embarrassed about this, but you, you know, you know, I'm a gay man. And the LGBTQ plus community commit suicide at four to five times the rate of non. Yeah. 
right? Which means when you do the maths, somewhere between 65 and 70% of all suicides are coming from the community that I'm a part of. Yeah. So not only am I passionate about mental health, passionate about men's mental health, but the marginalised, vulnerable groups of society, they need even more support, resources and love and compassion so that they can heal the, the trauma and the stuff that has put them in a place where they feel so, so much emotional pain. Um, and it's largely been because of society and people Definitely. that the LGBTQ plus community uh, feel the way they do. And, and look, let's face it, you know, if you've listened to my previous podcast and your, your series, um, I was a suicide stat that should have happened. Yeah. That I'm still alive at the age of 46.5 is quite honestly a miracle. But do you know what? When you did that podcast, because that was the first time I, I chatted to you via text. We hadn't spoken mm. in person or on Zoom. And mm. um, we didn't really know what we were going to talk about in that podcast because I had someone let me down and you jumped in at the last minute. And yeah, you said, right. Look, I can tell you about my life. How about that? And I said, yeah, let's hear about your life. And it was after, and I don't know if I've told you this, but after we finished, myself and the sound engineer guy, my friend, we both had a few tears in our eyes and I went, that was such a powerful podcast because I don't think I've actually listened to some, well, not that I've spoken to personally as we were speaking then and actually, you know, heard it mm. firsthand said to me and it just really made me feel, wow, yes, you're strong, look what you've gone through, but, you know, I've never, maybe I have, but I can't remember someone actually talking to me and going, this is what happened, this is how I felt. And because it was so unexpected, I guess with a friend they might say to you, oh, I felt a bit down, and and then you talk that through, and then next time it might be, oh, look, I feel worse. But for you to mm. just come out and be so brutally honest with it, it was just, it was mind-blowing, but it was also, it really rocked myself and Paul afterwards. We were like, wow, what an amazing man. Oh, look, that's really kind and, you know, I appreciate that. But what's even better now is I can now look in the mirror and go, yeah, you are an amazing man about myself simply because for 38 years of my life I suffered from chronic depression and anxiety and I didn't know why and I didn't even know that's what it was. Yeah. And now because I'm on the other side of it all, and I've done my hard yards of therapy and processing it and going through all that stuff that you never want to go through. Um, now, and I, I'm pretty sure I have said this to you before, my stories are no longer for me. They are for you and others Yeah. because I'm done with them. Yeah. Now they are only to serve you and help empower others to find their voices to speak up. And the message essentially is one of incredible hope, one of incredible strength and resilience. And look, if I can get through all of that backstory, I really believe anyone can get through whatever their thing is. But the key is don't even think about doing it on your own. Yep. And all feelings are temporary. Yep. And the most important thing is you can't save your face and your ass at the same time. No. And look, You've got that's to what, save your ass. <laughs> look, that's what I liked about it was that I could imagine when you were telling your story, and it might not necessarily be that man or um, someone who was suicidal at the time listening to the podcast, but a mother listening or a father or a friend and going, actually, I know someone who's going through similar stuff to that. 
maybe yeah. I could get them to listen to the podcast because then they don't actually have to broach the subject with them. It's you and I talking Correct. and they just listen in and yeah. they go, actually, I'm feeling a bit like that. I need to go and get some help. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for bringing it to me. Can we discuss this? Mm-hmm. Because, you know. Yeah. The thing that's happening because I am just all of me wherever I go and I do share as much as I can uh, appropriately for the context I find myself in, people are coming me to specifically, uh, like I've had two people contact me in the last month because they know I'm long, you know, I've been in recovery for over 22 yeah. years. I've had another guy contacting me because he too was sexually abused as a kid yeah. and he feels safe talking to me. And I never knew that all of my backstory could serve this purpose of helping others. When I started my coaching training, that wasn't even in my head five years ago. And then all of a sudden it's like it's landed. It's like, oh, God, now it makes sense. (laughs) That's what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) And it's so much better when you've got a real story that's happened to you, no matter how tragic it is or a happy story, Mm. when you can Mm. share that with someone else, you're – because you're being authentic, you actually get mm. further with the person than if you're just, um, you know, if you say, oh, about something you've read in a book, you know, because yeah. we can all learn things from a book. But when we're talking from mm. our heart and what's actually happened to us mm. or what we've been through, we're so mm. much more authentic with that person. Absolutely. And the, the number one thing that I think humans forget is we are hardwired for connection. We are desperately seeking the whole time to be fully seen and fully heard in a safe, high quality relationship. And like the relationship that you and I have developed, Daniel, because of the depth that we went to immediately is already one of those relationships. Yeah. And we've spent less than two hours talking, you know, um, you know, removing like the text chats we've had. But the, the thing that I now know is when I or you or anyone fully and very bravely steps fully into their vulnerable strength. The thing that happens immediately for the listener is connection starts being built because of how the brain is wired for connection. You hear my vulnerability. It triggers empathy in you. Your mirror neurons get fired off. You automatically feel drawn to me unless you're a psychopath or a sociopath, which just, they don't have that happen. (laughs) Are you, I just need to pause. Are you a psychopath? Um, I'm not sure. I think I'm a narcissistic. (laughs) No, you can't be narcissistic. You can't be. You're just not. But that's what goes on. And and we all we all want to be fully seen and heard. And what I've discovered is I've actually got this real beautiful skill and gift of being able to give that to others. And I had this this new young client that I met last night. Great young black guy. Funnily enough, only lives about you know 200 meters down the road. Never seen him before in my life. He found me through Instagram, and we had a walking session. And he's he's nervous and scared about where he's at in life. And I think part of it's developmental, but he's he's a young gay guy too, actually, and um and black and young, so he's got added kind of pressures on him. Um, and the the reason he really came to me is he wants to build in himself the inner peace. Um, and self-trust and the relationship with himself that I have, not my version of it. He wants to do the same for him. Definitely, yeah. And I, I, I just love that I, I say to him, I say to most clients, like, I want and need nothing from you, but want everything for you. Yep. And I will walk beside you for as long as that's useful. That's beautiful. I just fucking um, love it, though. And it's so simple. I also know you're being genuine as well, you know. 
Uh, And it's such an honour and a privilege because most of the time I'm hearing things from people that they've never shared with anybody. And I'm not one of of those coaches that go, oh, no, I can't go to that topic with you because what if I am the only person they will ever speak to about it? Yeah. And, you know, there are lots of coaches go, oh, no, I don't do emotional things. Oh, no, I don't do that. I was like, (laughs) hmm, well, okay. Not my style. I think the biggest thing that, well, one of the biggest things we need to break through, especially for men, is that you can go and see a therapist, life coach, someone in that Mm. realm, Mm -hmm. um, and you know that whatever you say to them, however your emotions are, however you behave, they're going to hold you there Mm. and they're going to help you unravel whatever it is. And when you Mm. leave, you don't have to talk about it again until you come back. Mm -hmm. it's it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier mm. for men to open up to someone who knows about the things that they're going through but isn't mm. a family member or a friend where mm-hmm. they feel like, are they going to keep my uh, information private and confidential? Mm-hmm. You know, are they going to ring someone and go, oh, I was talking to Barry and Barry said, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I think yeah. that's a really good thing. If we can break through and get men to realise that you go and see a guy Go and have some counselling, some life coaching. When you walk out the door at the end, you put yourself back to where you were. You don't have to, you know, mm. leave and feel like mm. you have to tell everyone. And then you go back for mm. your next session and gradually mm-hmm. you'll be able to let this stuff go and you'll be a mm. lot better person for it. I think there's still a stigma mm. about actually reaching out and asking for that help. Well, 100% there is. The International Coaching Federation releases an annual report and the one that, I think came out maybe in February, it stated the stats that only 30% of all clients seeking support in all helping professions, so counselling, psychiatry, psychotherapy, coaching, only 30% of all clients are male. Wow. Now, when you look at that 30%, mostly white middle-class male. Yeah. So then you you break it down to our uh, uh minority ethnic groups you then put on top of that the lgbt community like this young black guy who i was speaking to last night he's the demographic that needs most support yeah and whatever it's called in australia or america i know america uses the phrase people of color here in the uk they uh, black asian minority ethnic groups the bame group whatever they call it in, in other parts of the world it is your most marginalized groups that then have other vulnerabilities on top of them, like this young black gay client, yeah. um, they, they are the people who need more support. Yeah. Men generally need more support, but particularly the most marginalised vulnerable groups. And do you think we're changing as the years go on? I mean, uh, I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, but I was saying, you know, I think in my dad's generation growing up, it was boys don't cry, you know, you've got to hold it Mm. in, be tough, Mm. be strong. Mm. And I think sort of in our age group, um, it it is becoming a lot more open, but I see it more with people younger than me. I mean, I'm 50, I would say Mm. maybe their 30s and under. Um, I, I yeah. think 40s is still a little bit of a grey area of trying to accept help for men. Well, the suicide stats would absolutely support that because you are now just outside of the number one killer for your age bracket. So the number one killer for my age bracket from 25 to 
to 46 is suicide in men. Right. That's the number one killer internationally. Nothing else, not drink driving, not car accidents, not cancer. It is suicide. Right. So the suicide stats would indicate that we are a long way from that changing. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens over the next decade or so. But one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing in my coaching work and, and in the app development that we'll get to soon is being very vocal taking really powerful actions to make the changes because masculinity internationally has been quite, well, I was going to use the F word, but mum won't let me. It's been quite messed up for a long time. So we've got to, we are, we are currently rewriting masculinity in a healthy way that serves healthy men growing up because men have had a really, really toxic dangerous, dangerous uh, pro forma of what being a man looks like for yeah. so long now that the, the rewriting and unwriting of it needs to have the strength and power that feminism did when that started yeah. because without the radical change, we are going to see another 30 years of suicide stats climbing in men. Yeah. They will not reduce dramatically until we put the time, energy, attention, and money into the resourcing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, here, here in the UK, about five years ago, they released a stat that for every suicide in the UK, it costs £1.3 million. It was only when that stat was come to that the government really started listening. Yeah. You multiply that £1.3 million even just by the number of men that kill themselves in the UK every year. You have billions. Yeah, yeah. Then look at the billions that it costs the the government and society for every suicide. What percentage of those billions has been poured into mental health for men? Not a lot. Right. So I'm not waiting for the government because, let's face it, here the government screwed up the the pandemic and everything terribly about 5,000 times because they're incompetent. So I'm not waiting for leaders of positions of power I'm taking the position and saying, okay, I'm not waiting for you. Here's what I will do. Yeah. And the question I ask anyone is like, not what should we do, but what will you do today to make a difference? Because we all have incredible power, all yeah. every single one of us. And elected leaders, they do, certainly do have power, but they are quite often not the most dramatic leaders of change, as history would teach us. Yes, Definitely. Can I just let you know that in Australia, when the pandemic hit last year, I'd say Mm. around July, August, they were saying that mental health issues were going to become like a crisis point and what could Mm. they do? And rather Mm. than, because over here in Australia, uh, psychologists get um, a certain amount of money so the patient client can go and see them, they get a discounted rate for the first 10 sessions, I think it is. and. So there's all us counsellors who have all done uh, degrees, uh, bachelor, um, mm. and we could step up and fill those gaps. But the mm. government said, how about we do a cert four in mental health and then we'll get all those people out there. So people who are less qualified than us to then mm. be trained and go out and talk to people who are suffering from anxiety, depression, those sort of things, mm. but mm. not give us the the Medicare rebate of what they would give to psychologists, which made no right. sense at all because you're going to pay to train all these people in a lot lower skill level than what we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But that was the government's rationale of how they would work through the mental health crisis. Have people who aren't very highly skilled. And look, I have no, you know, I'm not religious, but I don't hate religion. However, Mm. a few years ago when our Liberal government came into Australia, well, not came in, but, you know, came into power, Mm -hmm. uh, they got rid of school counsellors and brought in uh, chaplains, which Mm -hmm. is fine. Chaplains were a third of the price. And my Mm -hmm. argument at the time was if you have someone, say a young gay male who wants to talk to a school counsellor that he's coming out, he's finding Mm -hmm. it hard to deal with, are they going to go and see someone who is religious, who they know has probably already got um, Mm. a bias towards them, or are Mm. they going to see a school counsellor who has no, or they might have religion, but it's not at the forefront. That's my problem with, you know, those sort of well, things that it needs Daniel, to be neutral. Daniel, the reason I was abused is yeah. I went to my school guidance counsellor. I know. I've, who I've was the chaplain. Yeah. And he was the chaplain. Yeah. I couldn't talk to my parents. All boys, Catholic chaplain. He abused me. I was a vulnerable young kid, served to him on a Catholic silver platter. Yeah. Now, listen. You and I know there's no logic with most of the things that governments do. They're particularly terrible at the moment. They're just really not up for the job. They might be elected, they might be being paid, but they're just not very good. So that's why you and I are here on this planet because what we're doing is we are changing the world through our stories and our questions, our thinking and our listening. Yeah. It does not take, it does not take elected leaders to change the world. When Rosa Parks refused to move, Yep. She changed the world. Yeah. One individual standing up for equality and justice and yep. what was right. So when we're thinking and talking about mental health, as you and I quite often do, we're doing that. I'm not Rosa Parks. I don't have that sort of opportunity. But what I do have is an opportunity to use my voice, story and skills and experience and put it all together and just talk real. Yep. And this big shift with mental health for men, I mean, mental health generally, but particularly for men, which I'm super passionate about for all the reasons your listeners know, um, it is absolutely in the flow. The app team, so the, the app, I'm a, a part of the team. Oh, yes, let's get into that. So your app is called Mendable. Mendable. So It's coming out soon. Give us a background. It's coming out soon. Okay. So the background is that Sophia May is a beautiful woman who I met through Clubhouse and there's two other guys. Tell us what Clubhouse is. Uh, so Clubhouse is an audio-only social media app, yep. right? It's a brilliant platform. Uh, it's basically, imagine it's like a digital house and there's lots of rooms in this digital house with lots of conversations happening in different rooms about different topics. Is it still invitation-only? It is still invitation only, but it's now on uh, Apple as well as Android, so anyone can access it now. Um, I've got invitations, so if you want and my me just too, find if me anyone and, wants them, just right. let us know. Absolutely. But basically, so I, I was just going there, doing my thing around mental health, and then my story was heard, and then all of a sudden I'm in touch with this woman called Sophia. We have some chats, typey chats, then it's an audio chat and a video chat, and she says, look, I'd really like you to be a part of the app development team. And the app is called Mendable. Now, it's really important for your listeners to go to the website, www.mendable.app. Oh, .app, yep. .app, because that's where you can sign up to be a part of the testing for the beta or the beta, depending on which country you're in. Beta, beta, Um, yeah. 
because the the pre-app is currently being built in India right now as we speak here in June. Um, and then what will happen with that is that will go to testing. And the testing phase of it is really, really important. But what's super exciting about this app is the two inventor brothers in Canada, Dan and Dave Roach, they've invented the technology that can use your phone and the front camera. So like right now I'm putting my thumb yep. over the front lens and all you can see is red. Yep. Well, that red image as I'm talking, that red, there is biometric data in that. So he has developed the software to pull your heart rate, your hydration, and your general mood, and that is going to be the USP of our app. He's got wow. a patent for this. And what's really, really cool, so when we put our thumb over the front camera and you see that red image, we're calling that your imprint because mm. everything's mendable, so it's your yeah. imprint your, or your imprint. Yep. And what will happen is every time you do a reading through the app is it will give you data about you that can be tracked over time that will be uploaded to Apple Health or whatever platform you're using. Yep. So you can track your mood. You can track your anxiety levels roughly because of the heart rate. Yep. And then what there'll be is there'll be, op- there'll be options uh, within the app where you can, there'll be suggested uh, exercises or tools or techniques or coaching questions to help you move forward in terms of maintaining and creating excellent mental health. Because mental health is not this ethereal thing that floats around. Yep. It is scientifically measurable and there are actions that you need to take in order to create and maintain mental health. It's as simple as that. Just like there is, there are things you've got to do to maintain your teeth. Yep. It's the same thing with our mental health. Right. Sounds good. And so if I was to put my thumbprint on for the first time mm. um, and it would scan that and tell me mm. um, if I was hydrated, blah, 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 mm-hmm. then what, mm-hmm. what happens straight after that? So what happens straight after that is that that data becomes a part of your personal profile. Yep. And the, 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 biggest, the bigger part of the app and where we want it to, to go to, the big vision that we have is to dramatically reduce suicide stats internationally. Yep. Obviously, the apps, we've got, we've got investors now, so that's all taken care of. The app is going to be massive because it'll be the first of its kind that uses biometric data in the mental health sphere in an app to help create and maintain mental health. So for one, one of the things that we're uh, going to have within the app eventually is it's going to be peer-to-peer support. Yep. That will be that part of the app's called man-to-man, and it'll be men connecting with other men who have some sort of connection maybe it might be a similar sort of mental health condition or similar situations they might be i don't know two young gay black men in the same city or across the world who just connect and are able to talk to each other face to face yeah yeah yeah. because what we know is men typically spend a lot of time side by side yep doing stuff yep but not very often face to face talking about the stuff that matters yeah like the real stuff relationships, how they feel about themselves, their physical health, their mental health. Men are very typically reluctant to share anything that is surrounding vulnerability or painful emotions. Yet we also know conversely that vulnerability is the number one thing that helps forge really deep, meaningful connections and relationships. Yeah. So, I mean, it's early days and there's so many, we've got so many incredible things. One of the things that we are having, which I'm really excited about is, there's going to be an option within the app for every man to put his voice into the app, right, which will then 
be uploaded to our servers. And what's going to happen is there's going to be this stadium, a virtual stadium of male voices humming. Okay. So your voice, Daniel, will be a part of the app, yeah, and this meditative humming stadium yeah. because what we want to do is we want to connect people. So you will automatically become a part of this community in this app and your voice counts because the whole, the whole thing is we want every voice to count. Yep. And every voice is a really powerful source to help create and build and maintain mental health. And it's also the number one thing with connections. As soon as you learn someone's name, you've got the b- beginning of connection. Yeah, when yeah. you and I connected the first time, what we got was straight down to real stuff, real vulnerability, real life stuff, and there our connection was forged. Yeah. The app has the potential to do the same thing because it's going to be a protected space with like-minded men yep, yep. who are coming together. Um, and it's just, uh, just super excited about it. And, I mean, we knew we'd get investors really, really quickly, but it happened so quickly it was insane. And the investors, the investors have said this is a billion-dollar app and we are so excited about that because what we'll be able to do is help people at ground level our most, most vulnerable groups uh, who don't have the resources perhaps that you and I do as yeah. white middle-class men. And that is a really important thing, isn't it, for people oh, who massive. can't afford to see a psychologist, counsellor, mm-hmm. life coach, whatever, mm-hmm. something yeah. like this they can log yeah. on to and they can get information and they can ask questions. I mean, you, yeah. can't, you, you, you can buy it, but you, you can't buy it, can you? If you know what I mean. Like, no, you know, it's and, not I mean, something bitch, that someone yeah, with yeah. not much money, they can access it and, and get a lot of information. Mm. Yeah, so our, our app is going to be entirely non-professional, but what it will do is it will signpost professionals who can offer those services. Yeah. Eventually what we want to do, because our, our app is very much about giving back and helping men create and maintain mental health. And I said to the team, I said, look, saving lives is great, and it will, but that's not enough because you can live miserably for 80 years. Oh, yeah. That's not okay. No. We have to not only save lives, but we then have to empower people, give them the tools, resources, and money where required to pay for private counselling or therapy or coaching yeah. or whatever. Um, because, you know, I was really fortunate. I, I was working. I had, uh, had money, you know, at my fingertips. I paid for my private therapy for six years. Yeah. The, the total that I spent across that time was about 35000 Australian dollars, about £20,000. been around then, right. you know, you might not have had to. You know, you well, might correct. have been able to reach out and get help. Right. And, you know, I think back to, I think back to the teenager that I was where I didn't feel I had anyone to turn to. Teenagers and everyone now turns to their phone before they even kiss their partner lying in bed to them. Yeah. So imagine having in your hands a resource where you can connect meaningfully about what really matters to you and what's really going on. Yeah, so you've got this resource on your phone which will enable you to take actions, really simple actions, to create and maintain mental health. This is a total game changer for the world. And, I mean, that, that this team have invited me to be a part of it really delights me because when I set up my coaching business years ago, my biggest vision for it was to dramatically reduce suicide stats. I had no clue at the time, no clue of how I wanted that to happen. And all of a sudden, this thing comes at me in the last four months. Yeah. And 
honestly, when it when it comes out, it's just gonna it's gonna explode. But look, I think you've you know you've worked hard at what you do. You've refined your skills, and that's why these things happen. It's like similar to me with the podcast. I mm. mean, I know I made mm. the podcast happen, but it it mm. took me time to actually be ready in my head to be able to just come on a microphone and just start yeah. talking to people without really knowing what people were going to say and know that I felt confident in what I was saying back. You know, mm. I mean, I've always mm. suffered from that. And if you spoke to the tutor I had 10, 15 years ago when I first got into counselling and doing my mm. diploma, she was like, until you get it out of your head that you're not good enough and that you're not going to be able to learn this, you'll never learn mm. it. As soon as you start mm. to believe you can do it, you will. Mm. And that's mm. what happened. And the other week, because she comes on some of the podcasts, Katie, she said to me, you know, now I come to you for advice on things because I know you will know more than what I'll know and I'm a psychologist. <laughs> I love that. It's but pretty it's, good, it's, isn't it? But it's that thing of, you know, what you've done over time, and this is what this app will have the power to do, is help individuals create really solid, healthy relationships with themselves first. Yeah. Because that is the number one thing I've seen with literally hundreds of people I've worked with now, when you get your relationship with you in a place that is sustainable and maintainable over time, everything else follows. And the reason you're doing what you're doing and I'm doing what I'm doing is we've worked our butts off just little micro actions every day, but across decades to create the, the health and wealth internally that we now hold. And now we're in a beautiful position where we can help others and give it away. Um, and honestly, this www.mendable.app, that's the space for you to start being part of the movement. Now, the other thing that I wanted to, to give you and your listeners is Clubhouse, this app that I referred to earlier, we hold a room every Monday and Thursday night. It's called the Mental Health Awareness Club. Yep. It's men's mental health. And the times are now your time. I'm not 100% sure. So it's 8 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. Yeah which is lots of different times across Australia. So if you could please interpret that at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think now. So 8 p.m. your time would be? That's okay. It would be. It would actually be like 4 a.m. ridiculous o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But, but it, for it other people matter. that are around the yeah. world that are listening and want to join in, can, can yeah. you send me the dates and I'll make it into a little update for Instagram? Yeah, great. I will actually. Yeah, because this clubhouse room is the first portal. That's where everyone started coming together for the app. That's where I found uh, Sophia and she, she found me for, for the app team. But basically that that room can see, you know, sometimes 5,000, 8,000 people come through in a two-hour room that we run every Monday and Thursday. And the power of that room is exactly what we're going to be pushing through into the website, www.mendable.app, and then into the app. Because that what was that website again? www.mendable.app. Is that you being an is that you being I'm just making sure you get in the app there. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, but basically that peer-to-peer support of men talking to men and listening in a safe way, it's non-judgmental. Come and share your story. And the 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 love and support that's out there. And I was saying to you before, you know, there's a guy whose girlfriend recently uh, killed herself who comes to that room. And I'm checking in with them daily. Yep. We sometimes speak on the phone. Um, other guys are checking in on each other all the time. And so there's this really strong community being built. Um, and that was a part of my big vision for what I wanted to create for my coaching business. And all of a sudden, I'm part of that and we're doing it. 
And I, yeah, it's a, a real, real honor and privilege to be a part of it. And, and something also that's so accessible. Um, you look at what costs for, you know, even, you know, coaching here in the UK can be a really expensive thing. Uh, therapy, really, really expensive thing. But the app is going to be a game changer because it's going to be a level playing field. And then because we'll be able to support people who may not have the resources to do it, we'll be able to support them financially to get the help that they seek without any goddamn wait lists. And I think also with your Mendable app and also with what you're saying about Clubhouse is if you were someone who was needing some coaching, counselling, whatever, and you come into a room like that and you have a chat to people, it actually helps Mm -hmm. you refine what your issues are before you even go and see like yourself as a coach. You know, so yeah. you're sort of, and you've got yourself in the right headspace of, look, I can go and do this now. Absolutely. And it also normalizes it because in a room yeah. that's full of, you know, thousands of men, um, obviously not every man will speak. A lot of the audience is just listening, but, you know, there's usually 30 or 40 guys that speak in an evening. It normalizes your experience because almost every situation that you are going through as a listener or you or me, someone else has been through. Definitely. Yeah. And we're constantly saying, you are not alone and you never were. No. Because we, we, you know, when we're unwell, whether it's physically or, or mentally, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, we tend to isolate. And what I keep banging on about is if your instinct is to isolate, force yourself to connect because connection is the key to maintaining not only longevity of life, high-quality connected relationships are the single most important factor in longevity and high-quality living. And are you still doing um, conversations on the couch with Patrick Hill coaching on Instagram in the mornings? Sometimes. It's very random because I'm now working across so many time zones and I'm really busy that I I do it, but I'm not doing it with the frequency that I, I, I was doing it just because of time. But like yourself, Daniel, I love talking to people. I love laughing with them. I mean... A lot of the live things I do, there's a lot of swearing, so mum, don't watch. But um, it's, for me, more than anything, it's just about connecting, having real conversations, and no matter what's going on, creating a laugh. Because see, I really liked them because I'd get home from work, say, at 7, be cooking dinner, Mm. and then at 7.30 here in Australia, you would come on and I'd be able to sit and watch that while I was eating. But then oh, with the I difference see. in time zone, it's 6.30, so I'm, not, I'm driving home and I can't really watch while I'm driving. And I have caught mm-hmm. up with a few afterwards, but I, I, mm-hmm. I like the thing of being live while it's happening. Yeah, look, I, I, I totally get that. And I, like, I had lots of feedback and from you too, from lots of people saying how much they appreciated them. Um, and, look, I would, I would do them. I would do them every single day. But life's just got really busy, and I, I need to prioritize client work. Yeah, no, um, and now the and I just thought I'd app. give it a mention in case it was still happening. Yeah, no, it's random. But well, for I those who I'm... missed out, they missed out on a great part of your life. It'll well, go down in history, won't it? As when you're big with Mendable, people will say, "I used to watch him on those <gasps> Instagram lives." Oh, no, no, people will look at back and go. Did you hear what he said? Did you? Can you believe he said that? Because you know, <laughs> my humor, my humor is quite basic, and I, I go for the cheap, fun laugh as much as I can. Quite often, it's really crass, which is why Mum probably found it a bit challenging. But um, yeah, if you want to, they're all on my Instagram IGTV, so you can go and look at them if you can be bothered. But um, where are they? Patrick Hill Coaching. 
yeah, Patrick Hill Coaching on Instagram. You can check it out there. But the most important thing for me, and I'm, I'm sure that's the same with you, Daniel, is that what we're doing is adding value for free, firstly. And what and I really liked sure about your On others, the Couch with Patrick yeah. was that they were fun and they did talk about mental health issues. And that, I think, is one of the ways that you get people to connect and listen because it's not someone droning on about mental health. It's talking about oh. inspiration, bro, oh, everything. It covered so many Look, different topics. There's, there's, there is nothing worse than someone being passionately boring. And boring people, boring people don't even know they're boring. And they're so passionate about their topic that they've got no sense no. of humor. And like, there was a guy, there was a guy in our clubhouse room this morning who was a psychoanalyst and he was very, very dry and he's not met me before. So he's in, he comes into the room that I'm a moderator of. And then he, he sort of started analyzing me publicly in the space saying it was, oh, an interesting observation that I kept jumping in and throwing in quips. And I said to this guy, I said, oh, look, welcome to our room. I said, look, you don't know me, but this is basically my personality type is all about softening the conversation and having a good time together. But you could feel the boringness of him radiating so strong. It was this repellent force field. And I was just like, look, I won't kick you off the app because I'm a gentleman most of the time. But inwardly, I was like, oh, my God, you are really, really dull. And I'm, I'm typing chat in the background through WhatsApp to the other moderator. And I said to this guy, nah, this guy's just a dick. He's really boring and he wants a fight. I don't fight. Yeah. I was just like, come on, man. Because I've got to that point in my life, and he was like, there's no need to defend or attack anymore. No. I don't care what you think of me because the truth is, there's only one person that has to sleep with me every night and it's me. And I'm really, really good in the sack. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you oh, go. I can't believe that. So sorry. Uh, go, I saw one of your um, Instagram posts the other week. It might've been the other month. I mean, look, there's thousands in there, but there was something about going to sleep and you're like lying there asleep in your bed with your eyes closed. What was that one about? I don't know. <laughs> was, it, was it something about having to wake up or waking up feeling good or I don't know? But also I was going to say about your friend, uh, Sophia May. I remember the yes. update when you went up and visited her and you were both dancing in the garden. Yeah. That was brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, and she, and, and she said to me, Sophia's, you know, Sophia's a singer-songwriter, brilliant musician artist she can like come up with a tune and write it and the lyrics and everything in 10 minutes flat she's got this new song coming out that she did exactly that with but um she said to me it was so offensive daniel she said oh do you think you could try dancing a bit sexier and i said to her i find that so offensive in so many levels but the first thing is look at my skin color i said i'm white you know white men can't dance <laughs> which which is not entirely true no, no, no. I, and I, I, I can actually, now you're saying that, I can actually visualise it and go, she might have had a point. <laughs> <laughs> she totally did. But the thing that's happened as I've got older, it's like, I don't care. Because I, I actually, I, I, I've heard it called daggy daddy dancing. Yeah. Because if, if you aim for daggy daddy dancing, you can't fail because you know you're going to look like a knob. And I think looking like a knob and being a knob is one of those tools of it helps soften everything. Cause if I can laugh at me and you can laugh at me with me, yeah. it's just more fun. Yeah. I mean, I know that you and I would make a particularly hot dance couple on the floor, on the dance floor, Daniel. We would, we would absolutely daggy daddy dance 
the house down. Oh, we would. And, and that's the thing <laughs> is that we're not worried if we look foolish because it will give someone oh. a laugh or lighten them up. So, yeah. yeah. Like life's, life's way too fragile to give a damn. See, I even said damn for mum. To give yeah. a damn about what people think because the honest truth is no one's thinking about us as much as we are. They're too and that's busy what I try and tell so many themselves. people that say, oh, I didn't want to do this, I didn't want to do that. What if someone looked at me, especially my mum with Parkinson's, she's just started new right. treatment and she's doing really well. But before that right. it was like, I don't want to go to the shops. People will see me shaking. And I go, mum, they're not going to care. They're too busy doing their own thing. Mm. Mm. But, yeah, uh, too many people worry about what other people think of what they're doing when they're not even actually thinking about what that person's doing. But they can't think about anyone else because humans are totally self-obsessed. It is a full-time job just getting through your own day with yourself. You might, you, you literally might be thought about for three and a half seconds and then they're back to themselves. Yeah. So there's some freedom. There you go. Yeah. That's a good place to wrap it up. So we need to go to mendable.app, www.mendable.app. Uh, if they want to find you on Instagram, it's Patrick Hill Coaching. If they want to go to your website, it's Thinking Beyond Now. Are you on Twitter, Ticker, anything else? Oh, you can find me on Tinder, Daniel. Is that what you're wanting? No, 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 no. Tinder? I, th- I thought it began with G. <laughs> oh, grind it. No, not on that one anymore. Sorry, you oh. missed your opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, look, it's been great again. Um, look, when your app is ready to uh, come out, let us know and we'll uh, we'll do some stuff with you to maybe do some little yeah. grabs that we can run on Instagram and stuff that I can run yeah. on my one too. That would be really cool. And actually what we could also do together is um, have a little live demo and I'll send you a video clip of, uh, of a screen capture video as we're doing it. That would be quite cool. All right, cool. Brilliant. Daniel, thanks so much, mate. Lots and of love. Till next time. Bye-bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you want to contact us, we're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a website, lifechangesyou.com.au. So until next time, take care of each other, and thanks for listening.